Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Clan Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlandson. I'm joined here this evening by Frankie Maguire. It threw me a little bit then because I've got AirPods in for change and I can normally hear myself, but I can't. <laughs> so hopefully my mic is on and working and everything sounds okay. Um, I'm well. Frankie, are you well? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I'm feeling uh, very well now. I wasn't feeling too well after uh, the Christmas break when I, I never want to see alcohol ever again in my life. Um, I was a little bit too much drunk. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm feeling very well. I asked if I got a late winner in that game. I was feeling pretty, I wasn't feeling great for about 87 minutes. And then Matty Cash pops up with a, a Roberto Carlos style deflection with that curve yeah. on the ball. But um, yeah, I was loving it. Uh, throwback to Grealish. But um, yeah, exactly what we needed. Yeah, obviously, you know, this podcast could be have a very different mood if uh, if that Matty Cash <laughs> hadn't gone in and we were talking about a nil-nil and a, and a replay, God forbid, Christ. Yeah, um, yeah Matty Cash's late 87th minute, I think it was, uh, deflected winner, seals the deal for Aston Villa, gets them into the fourth round for the first time in eight years, which is ridiculous, really. Not got past the third round in eight seasons. Um, and, and the one before that, we got to the fourth round, Man City beat us 4-0. Uh, the one before that, we got all the way to the final. So maybe this is the year that we go all the way to the final again. Who knows? Uh, even everyone who's watching it along live, King81 says, I am here. Let's begin. We have begun now. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Richard says, listening live for the first time. You guys do a great job up the villa. Uh, thank you, Richard, for joining us live for the first time. Uh, Liam says, terribly boring first half, but good to see Kamara back and Ramsey look good. We'll talk about those two in a little bit. Fred says, there is life after the third round. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Who knew? Uh, and Rachel, even in all professional performance, just getting the job done. And that is, I think, the overarching message for me for, for this podcast. Job done, into the hat for the next round, all those kind of cliches. I'm not too re- too bothered about the performance not being the best and it being a little bit boring for us. And me and John did an episode in the week about like, how important is the FA Cup um, just to be past the third round and get to the fourth round and see who comes next is is not the achievement but for Villa who haven't done it for eight seasons just to be involved in the next round of the draw feels like a little a little tick in the box for Emery a little win for us oh Professor Unai as I call him uh, he truly is a miracle worker it feels like the amount of hoodoos that he has ended even in the first game he managed us when we he beat Manchester United 3-1 at home for the first time in 27 years um he, he's even, ended he, a, even he lost to Stevenage, though. I know, exactly, yeah. So even he's experienced this <laughs> terrible curse. So finally winning a game in the FA Cup for the first time since dinosaurs walked the earth is an extremely nice feeling, I must say. Um, look, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting game in that I think Middlesbrough were very well coached. I think Michael Carrick's mm. done a very good job there. He did well last season. At the start of the season, they lost a lot of their key loan players, Cameron Archer, Aaron Ramsey, Akpom, I think, went to Ajax as well. So they started quite badly, but they've sort of got their act together again recently. But they do have a lot of injuries. Um, and obviously, they also have the big EFL Cup, you know, Chelsea game coming up the same yeah, game course, yeah. this week. So um, I thought Middlesbrough was set up tactically very, very smart. He's obviously studied Forest, Sheffield United, how they played Villa, deep block. Mm. And it was basically a 5-2-3. So... In the middle, it just felt like Kamara and Dendonka were slightly 
um, rat crammed in. And there, wasn't, there weren't really options to play to. That said, I thought Kamara was absolutely fantastic and showed exactly why we missed him for the three games he was suspended. Yeah. But we're always having to go out wide. And, you know, with those two wingers, I think they were just hope, or those, yeah, two fullbacks, hybrid wingers. What they're hoping for is a, get a break. One of them gets forward, whip a ball into the box. And they almost did it in the first half. So they were well coached. But with Villa, it just felt a little bit like we were, uh, you know, it reminded me a little bit of Spain as an international team. It's like, Hmm. Lots of possession, but sometimes maybe just struggle to break down a low block. And yeah, that is, that, that's something that Villa, it's its a huge compliment to us and shows exactly where we are now, that teams respect us that much. They feel they have to play like that against us. But it also means that this is something that's going to be interesting to watch how Emery and the coaches adapt to this now as the, in the second half of the season and also in the upcoming transfer windows as well with what type of profile of player does he think might help us in breaking these low blocks. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I think you see that when Villa play against somebody who are willing to come out against them and, and play as well, we can be devastating on the counter-attack, play from back to front in in a matter of literally seconds. And that's kind of peak Unai Emery, isn't it? We saw the, the, the goal against Arsenal is probably the, the great example of that to, to play mm. through pretty much every player and, and create a chance for ourselves and score and win by one goal. And you think, oh, yeah, it wasn't the, the most swashbuckling performance ever. But in that moment, that was Emery ball in, in and of itself. When we're set up against a Nottingham Forest or a Sheffield United at home, or a Burnley even to a certain extent, who are, who are willing to kind of sit in a little bit and, and be happy with a point at Villa and that'd be a, a good result for them. Middlesbrough getting a replay would be a good result for them. Yes, they got to go yeah. to Villa Park in the second leg, but it still gives them the, the chance. Or maybe they nick it 1-0 tonight and go on into the fourth round instead and, and Villa have like a, a little ban- a banana skin. So it's how do Emery, how does Emery and his team break that down you know teams will know that if we play against Villa they'll hurt us because mm. they can do that they can do it to anybody they can do it to Man City if they can do it to them they can do it to anybody so when teams know if we just sit in and, and be happy to kind of let them play in front of us and, and defend well and be well kind of regimented we might get something against Villa and it's on Unai Emery and his team now to work out okay well when sides do do that and there will be a lot of them that do it because it will be one of the ways they can get something against us you know, you're probably talking what half the Premier League might try that and just think, okay, we'll just sit in against for because they don't really know what to do. Uh, that'll be on them to work out how to get past that. And at the moment, it doesn't really feel like we can do it. I text you during the game with a couple of like, not notes, but like, oh, Conta did well there. And I'll kind mm. of sort of fresh my memory. Um, and it's kind of just like, well, we've had a couple of chances. Like, we've, yeah. we've been okay here. We haven't played badly. We're not, you know, we, we were deserving of the win in, in terms of the chances we've created, but we're not kind of the usual Aston Villa that we, that we tend to see and that is proving to be a little bit tricky for us every so often and there will be games we come unstuck and, and don't get through. Mm. Um, but now, like I said, I'm not going to delve too much into the, the performance for the FA Cup. It's just get through to the next round, get through to the next round, you're one game closer to Wembley. Um, but does that concern you a little bit, Villa's kind of inability to, to break teams down when they have to? Uh, slightly, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to Sheffield United away uh, at the start of February with a Sheffield United friend of mine, and um, I'm already con- envisioning what this game is going to be like again. They'll sit deep, try and hit us on the break, all that. Um, it, like I say, it does slightly remind me a bit of the Spanish international team at times. It's a fantastic, you know, possession-based side, but uh, teams now just always sit deep against them. And I think with Villa, I think, you know, today, it's probably not a coincidence that we should have had a penalty when Moreno got the ball in in the box. Mm. That came from a quick interchange from him and Ramsey. And I think at times the interchanges weren't quite quick enough. And I think as well, you know, 
we started the game with our, our probably our best technical player in, in Douglas Ruiz in the center. You know, Ollie Watkins was, was wasn't there to lay it into Diaby was on the bench as well. So, you know, the goal, the corner that led to the goal came from Douglas Louise whipping the ball quickly into uh, bypassing all of the midfield straight into the feet of Diaby who'd come deep, t- turned, what led to the corner, into the box it goes and uh, Matty Cash has taken a shot from distance. And sometimes I do wonder if we could shoot from distance a little more. You know, we had yeah, one or two of those today. Um, Duran nearly scored or um, McGinn, you know, it was a brilliant save from the Middlesbrough keeper. I think Cash had another shot that was, took a deflection and got saved. And then, you know, sometimes it is just do that um, every now and again. I think we could have done that a bit more against Sheffield United. Um, it is slightly concerning that we're not, that you know, we, we look a little bit predictable against these low blocks. But by the same token, I think it, it, we have to remember we are we're a year into Emery's um, reign now. It's an evolutionary process now. This is a new challenge that's been presented to Villa, probably on yeah. a more regular basis, and we're going to see this more regularly in the second half of the season. And as I say, I'm intrigued to see how Villa, um, how we adapt to this. Whether some of our players maybe change their their game a bit, maybe a Ramsey changes a little bit. You know, he can't maybe he's not going to have more as much space to run into now. He's going to have to mm-hmm. adapt to that. Um, and then, you know, maybe we work out, a, you know, in the final third, whipping the ball into the feet of a striker, like a quick layoff here and just a bit more, a bit different movement of some kind. So, and also in transfer windows, what profile of player Emery thinks we need to, on a more regular basis, break these low blocks. Yeah, I mean, it's an obvious <laughs> shout because it's somebody who's not missing and we tend to kind of look to players that are missing and go, they're the answer. But someone like Emi Buendia tonight and against yeah. Sheffield United or Nottingham Forest, just to sit in those pockets and, and unlock defences is exactly the kind of profile you'd be after. Yeah. Um, so you know, the sooner he comes back, the better to fixing this individual problem if we don't go and recruit somebody. Just on those three guys that we mentioned a few times now, Forest, obviously tonight, and Sheffield United as teams that we've, we've had to play in front of for a lot of the game and have a lot of the ball but struggle to break them down. I do wonder whether how the game pans out if Villa score earlier. And the opposition yeah. have to come out to try and get back into something. Obviously, we don't score at Forest. We score a very late equaliser against Sheffield United in the what, 95th, 96th minute or something. Tonight mm-hmm. is obviously a very last-minute goal as well. If those goals against these kind of teams come in the 15th minute or the 20th minute, do they, they, do they then have to come out and then Villa grow into the game even further and win 2-0, 3-0 yeah, and yeah, look yeah. more comfortable? The fact that it's 0-0 for so long or Villa are behind themselves relatively early in that Forest game kind of sets you up to go, oh, we've really got a job on our hands now to get back into this because they're happy just to sit there because they're either defending the lead or defending the 0-0 and the point. Yeah, I do wonder how it would look if Villa score earlier in games. I and mean, We've seen them do that before last season. There was the yeah, graphic wasn't there, of Sky Sports, so goals in the first 15 <laughs> minutes. I think Villa were top. We've yeah. got to get back to that, especially against these sides that are happy to sit in because goals <laughs> goals change games. Yeah. To get them early will affect how these opposition, these op- these opponents play against us. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think that's one of the things from last season that I wish we'd sort of carried on into this year is that we aren't quite getting those early goals away from home just yet. Um, but like I say, adaptation and uh, I think a few players might have to adapt their game a little bit. I'm looking a bit at Ramsey, but... You know, as I say, another positive today I thought was, I thought on the left-hand side, it was great to see Moreno back. And I thought there were a couple of times yeah. he showed he's getting back to form quite quickly from that long-term injury he had. Ramsey, obviously, um, he's probably playing a lot more than we ideally would have wanted, probably due to the injury to Tielemans. I think mm-hmm. he's a player you would have wanted to bring in just a little bit, you know, half an hour here, 45 there, a 90 there. Instead, he's playing 90 minutes all the time. So, 
You know, yeah. he's he's not looked massively on form recently, but um, like I say, he's coming back from a long injury and maybe I think just needs a goal and we'll get back to it. But also, like I say, um, it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts as a player if we continue to come up against low blocks. Yeah, 100%. Um, I said earlier that me and John did a podcast. It, it was part of our Q&A that we, that we recorded in the week, but I clipped it out as a separate video because the Q&A was like an hour and 20 minutes long and I thought it was a good chat that would have been lost in, in that Q&A. And I mm. separated it out as its own little upload that people can go back and see if they want to. It's still relevant despite us winning this evening. Like kind of how important is the, the FA Cup to Villa this year? When we went out of the Carabao Cup in September or whenever it was after Everton, I was gutted about that I still am to yeah. be honest I, th- I still thought that was a good opportunity to to go far in a competition um yeah. but back then it's kind of like oh it's early in the season like what are our priorities this season the Carabao Cup is a genuine chance at silverware obviously the FA Cup is as well but the route to the final looked easier for the Carabao Cup for, for some reason um now you fast forward to January and we're second in the Premier League you can see why the Premier League is now our priority finishing in the top four would be massive for us to open up revenue streams and you know yada 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 i've said my piece on it a lot that's not to say i didn't want to win tonight i thought oh let's lose and i won't be bothered i'll forget the (laughs) fa cup of course it's hugely important i want us to win every game we play no matter what when i do my score predictions i think i'm back for it to win every single game (laughs) whoever the opponent is um so obviously I'm buzzing to get through to the fourth round. I hope we play somebody you know, relatively comfortable when we get to the fifth round and, and all the way through to, to Wembley and, and lift the trophy. Of course I do. But you can see why you look at the Premier League and think, well, if the fixtures start piling up, is the FA Cup a distraction? All those kind of things. Not that I particularly agree with that. And we take our eye off the ball in the Premier League. Yes, we could get to the FA Cup semi-final and narrowly miss out and it'd be really devastating. But if that also comes at the cost of dropping down to seventh in the Premier League, that's not really where anyone thought we'd be. So Mm. we kind of said our piece on it on this video that I've referenced. So I'm not going to go through it all again. If you want to see what me and John thought about it, go back and listen. What's your take on it? How how much importance do you put on an FA Cup run for Villa? Um, I think obviously the priority is the Premier League. Um, you know, because I think, as you say, like if, if we can get Champions League, a uh, Champions League spot for next season, as you say, the revenue streams that opens up, you know, what that can do for us, what it says about Aston Villa as a as a club, what, the sort of tournaments that we are associated with, and therefore the players we can attract. I know it's a sort of cynical way of looking at it when you talk about revenue streams and things like that, but um, that is, that is the truth, and therefore. In the long term, that would help Aston Villa be even more competitive because we'd be able to attract mm. the best players, be able to have deeper squads, and therefore, in the long term, help us to go further in the FA Cup next season or the season after. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I think the FA Cup, uh, you know, it's slightly lo- it's lost a little bit of the luster it had when we were probably kids. I think you know, I feel like the FA Cup final was like such a major event. I think there's probably a few reasons to that. I think Man United pulling out of it in 2000 didn't help, and. Uh, I slightly think the semi-finals being at Wembley doesn't help either. I kind of yeah, I don't know like that. I, I wish they were back at Villa Park and Old Trafford and places like that because I, I think once you got to Wembley, it was like getting to the final boss in a computer game. Um, you know, uh, M Bison in Street Fighter or whatever like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, good reference there. Um, but yeah, I think um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. So for me, I think I think the FA Cup is a um, it, it is still a very special tournament. I think though it doesn't feel like it has the glamour of the past. Still, mm-hmm. I think if Aston Villa won it, it'd be absolutely enormous, wouldn't it? I think I'd, I think I'd go on a, a long walk to Australia to calm down because I'd be so 
overjoyed by it. Um, it, 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 it. It'd be a massive moment for Aston Villa. You know, we haven't won that trophy in a long time. And it's, it's something that all the big clubs take seriously, really. Um, yeah. That's something I think we should look at ourselves as a big club and someone who should take the FA Cup as serious as we can. Like I say, though, you know, if we if we did get to the semi-final and then lost 3-0 to City and picked up an injury and it cost us the Champions League place, then, yeah, that's frustrating. But I guess that's kind of a risk you have to take. Um, yeah, that's what Paul is Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think, and again, a cut run can help with momentum as well sometimes. Um, you know, it, mm. the good vibes you get off that run can also leak into the league as well. So it's, it's uh, I, I can see the arguments both ways on it. But uh, for me, I still think the FA Cup is a very, very special trophy. And I think if we were to get to the final and even win it, then, I, I mean, oh, I'll I tell you what, there's a statue going up of Unai Emery <laughs> outside my flat. <laughs> uh, people live near me, I have to get used to walking around it. I think. It'd be nice to be, oh, massively obviously getting ahead of myself here, it'd be nice to be the most recent Midlands winner of a domestic trophy as well obviously Leicester won it not really a rival for us but Midlands club Leicester won it a couple of years ago I think it might be the, the, the lockdown year 2021 maybe yeah. obviously Blues won the, the League Cup in 2011 I think yeah. uh, which I, I mean they, they never mention it do they but <laughs> it would be nice for us to win a trophy after 28 29 years of course it would be but I, I am of the mindset that I don't think you have to prioritise one or the other really but if you right here, this is this is the way we'll settle this debate. Forget like prioritising competitions and distractions and all these kind of things. That's how I can offer you a, a red pill and a blue pill, like the Matrix. It's <laughs> you can win the FA Cup, but you finish. Let's even say sixth. Let's say the Europa League. So sixth place, Europa League football, and you win the FA Cup, or you get to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup, but you finish in the top four and secure the Champions League. Which of those scenarios are you picking? Which pill are you taking? That is that you are Morpheus to my Neo. Then that is that is a difficult that. Oh, that is. Just... It's hard. It is hard. It depends how you want to take that. I understand. That, and again, this is obviously based on how much value you put on the the competition. It's yeah. what age you are, what generation you are. There were people who have seen us win everything but the FA Cup, yeah. and are probably thinking. I may not have many years left on this planet yeah. to see Villa win that trophy. So oh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I would prioritise winning that to say I've seen seen Villa win the lot. Mm. On the other side of the coin, you've got the argument that Champions League football gives Villa more money to spend. They can get better players. So probably years down the line, they'll have another crack at the FA Cup again, whereas this might be one of our best chances to get into the Champions League this year specifically. Yeah. However... When we spoke about this on Friday, some of the YouTube comments were like, well, Leicester got into the Champions League and then got relegated. Newcastle got in last season and are out in, in, in the group stage and it's not really done anything for them, but it will continue to do something for them. Mm. So unless you're one of the Arsenal's, Man City's, United's who are already up the top anyway, all the, oh, traditionally always at the top anyway, who are always in that competition, you mm. don't want it to be like, okay, well, I've picked the, the Champions League option but it was just for one season and then we were not in it again for 10 years or whatever. Yeah. So I think yeah. if you are to get into it, you want to always be into it. So I can see, yeah. I can see why people would take the FA Cup as an option because it's, it's putting your name on the trophies and it? it's a moment in history, but yeah, that's Absolutely. enough waffling for me. Which one are you picking? No, I, I agree. I think, um, well, um, so one of my best memories in life comes from very early in my life is when I went to the 1994 Coca-Cola Cup final where Villa mm -hmm. beat Man United 3-1. And that is just an unforgettable, incredible moment 
in as a, as an Aston Villa fan, particularly as the years have gone by and we've not won much since. So I think if we won an FA Cup, like the memories that would give to everybody would be utterly irreplaceable. You know, it, it would just be so so special. And then if we ended up in the Europa League as a consequence of it, um, instead of the Champions League, we've got Unai Emery. So I'm sort of thinking we might actually win the Europa League as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I think I'm I'm going to just go um, a bit pragmatic and think about sort of the prestige of the club in the sense of if we got the Champions League. I, I think I think Villa can be competitive in the FA Cup for quite a long time. I think with the Champions League, I think we do need to experience that at Villa Park. I think that would be a really, really awesome experience for Villa. And I think it would be a it'd be a big moment for Villa to be like, all right, we actually can break through, like Tottenham did 10 years ago. And yeah. who knows where that can lead us then? You know, 10 years ago, people would have laughed at the idea Tottenham could ever reach a Champions League final. And yeah. they did it. And Aston Villa, you know, there's no reason Villa couldn't dream of doing the same thing you know, if we can keep up our momentum for the next five or six years. Um, mm. so and would Spurs, I, sorry, sorry to interrupt, would Spurs fans swap <laughs> the six or seven years they had in the Champions League and get into the final? Obviously, mm. they've not won a trophy for donkey's years either. Would they swap those years of progression in replace of one trophy either? Probably mm. not. Yeah. And, it, you know, ultimately, you know, what it could do for us, it, the prestige of the club, it, what it does for off the field kind of revenues, when you think of stuff like FFP, what it could do yeah. to, for, for when you attract players, and what it just what it just says to, to what what Aston Villa are as a sort of global team. Uh, I think um, I, I think I'd take the Champions League just because we've not we've never had it sort of in in recent history or the, the current iteration of the Champions League. Obviously, we won the European Cup in, in the eighties, but um, so yeah, I think I would I think I'd take the Champions League, um, even though I fully acknowledge that the FA Cup winning that, the memories of that would be so, so, so special. But then again, memories of playing in the Champions League next year, under the floodlights against Real Madrid at Villa Park, something like that. Again, irreplaceable. So I think it's win-win either way, but it's <laughs> it's a very difficult choice. But I think, I think I'd just go Champions League just because we've not had that um, mm. for a very long time. Yeah. I think uh, there's no wrong answer, really. I'm going to read yeah. a couple of comments before we move on to just some general other bits and pieces. Um, Mr. Sensible says it would be so special to win the FA Cup. It would. Um, Liam says, I'll take the FA Cup. And sixth, I want a trophy. Yep. Uh, I want to be a hypocrite. I will be a hypocrite, says Danny, and say top four. It puts us on a different level as a club. Uh, Anthony, yes, the FA Cup is the last one I need to see us win. Exactly. That There will be a lot of people out there in that same position. Uh, King 81, FA Cup will be so special. Top four gives you money, but does it give you year in year, year on year success? Not guaranteed. Of course, definitely yeah. it isn't. Um, yeah. M. Nadim says, need Champions League football. FA Cup would be great, but it's time we got into Europe's elite teams at Villa Park. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, to be honest, mm, as well. Uh, and final one from James. The FA Cup is all that I have not seen Villa win, born 1958. So it's a must for me. Missed out by just one year. I suppose you wouldn't count it, would you, if you were alive, but you mm. don't remember it. Maybe, um, maybe, yeah. maybe if you saw Villa win the European Cup in the early 80s, maybe it is like literally the case of like, I want the FA Cup just because I've never seen yeah. it. So yeah, exactly. Like, we're talking about, oh, we've not had the Champions League, obviously, <laughs> but we've not had the European Cup for a long time. Mm. If you were born in the 50s or the 60s and you were you know, in your youth for Villa winning the, the European Cup in 1982, you do look at the FA Cup as, well, it's the only one I've not experienced. So, of course, mm. I want that. And I'm now into my 
60s my math is terrible but you know again i'm not saying that i said before about like oh, i haven't got many years left like people could go on a long time these days but <laughs> yeah. you're you're kind of thinking how, how well maybe a different way to phrase that is how many more opportunities will i get to physically go and see us in the final if we get there due to the age i am now and all those different things don't yeah. be uh, um, accused of being age is still or whatever that's probably is a word for it yeah. um Right, that's enough kind of general chit chat. I think about um, the FA Cup as a whole rather than the, the Middlesbrough game. It's a very boring first half, wasn't it? I was, it was, I was, yeah, yeah. I was sort of worrying a little bit what are we actually going to talk about here. Um, yeah. But we, I think we've kind of got our way through it. Like I said, I thought we were good enough to have got past the tie. Like Middlesbrough didn't yeah. really create that much, to be honest. Yeah. There was a concert header that hit the post. Moreno had a decent chance from a corner just after McGinn had that shot. Obviously, Cash has scored the deflected goal in the end. Yeah. Um, Duran had a decent chance early on as well. So there was, there was moments there that Villa could have got that early goal that we talked yeah. about earlier and gone on to win more comfortably than 1-0 in the last minute. Um, but ultimately, the job is done the same. Went to the hat for the fourth round. Just quickly on Duran as the other talking point I wanted to, oh, to yeah. reference. Before, before I say anything, what do you make of what we've heard about Duran in the last couple of days, all the social media stuff, the mm. AC Milan links coming off tonight and, and not really doing a great deal? Uh, what, what do you make of him? Um, I think Duran is a naturally very, very gifted player. I think he's got a very high ceiling if he is able to focus himself and... Um, I think it's 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 a sh- it's a shame the kind of noise that we're hearing um, and you know mm. various reports are seeing about some tension between him and Emery and it sounds like it's something to do with European ties and which has come off um, you know w- there's obviously two sides to everything and we don't really know precisely what the ex- you know the exact reasoning is if he is keen to go to AC Milan but um, I, th- I think he is a player who's very talented he's very young and very raw. And there is a reason Emery starts at Ollie Watkins because Ollie Watkins is is the finished article, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's the perfect player that we have up front. And Duran, at the moment, isn't that. And um, he has to just be patient. You know, he's nineteen twenty. It's going to come together for him at some soon if he's just willing to be patient. And I think it, it, it's it's unfortunate. It is a distraction. Um, and um, you know, I think you know whether it comes down to you know the advice he gets around him. Um, his, his youthful age and so obviously sometimes sometimes we look back on the things we did when we were young and kind of regret it a bit um, it's it, it's a bit of a shame that there, there does seem to be this noise mm. um, and I think it's detracting a bit from what a talent he actually is and like I say if he's just willing to be patient he is getting game time and he has scored a few goals this season you know including that incredible goal against Palace so um, I think I think if I was advising him, I'd say you're, you're with a great manager and a great coach, a proven coach. This is a massive opportunity. And uh, just, you know, see it through to the end of the season. Just work hard and just listen and to what the, the advice that's given from the coach and the manager and see where it goes from there. And, uh, you know, just keep, when you get your chance, take score goals. That's basically it. And, mm. uh, you know, there's no guarantees if you went to somewhere like AC Milan that he'd even play that much. And I'm not saying he wouldn't do very well there. Maybe he would, but... It just seems a bit of a risk to go um, when, you know, he's got this opportunity at Villa. And I think sit through to the end of the season, take it, you know, because this is a big opportunity for him. Yeah, we'll talk about Duran again in a second. I've got to flash this comment up. It's still about the, would you take the FA Cup or the Champions League? But just by pure coincidence, I'm such a loser for pointing this out. This comment, by pure coincidence, is from John Duran. 
<laughs> spell, spell obviously totally differently, but how, how weird is that that we've now moved on to John Duran? Uh, John Duran says, uh, 17 in 1982, so I'd take the Champions League all day. It would improve our chances of winning the FA Cup in following seasons, and I'm not planning on dying just yet. Uh, John Duran, I'm pleased to hear that. Uh, yeah. Back to John Duran, though. Um, as you said, there's been a lot of noise about this AC Milan potential move. Mm. Did you see the stuff today? Oh, I saw it today at least, anyway, about Instagram, like him removing Villa from his bio or something, and yeah. following the club, and then people saw that he'd refollowed the club, and all these things that are they are noise. Like I don't it's know noise. whether you read anything into that. He's 19. People talk about like an attitude problem and a falling out with Emery. John Townley has always insisted that there was no falling out between the, the manager and the player. Okay. But I think I would suspect some, I don't want to say attitude problem, but maybe like an immaturity to it because of his age or so. something like that. I've not quite settling in just yet because mm. he's so inexperienced. Maybe something along those lines, more so than a he's a bad egg. I don't think that is necessarily no. true. No. Um, I think there is talent in there. I think there is ability, but it's it's so unrefined at this stage that you couldn't rely on him. That if Ollie Watkins was injured for even a month and Duran had to play every game for you know he had to play five games in a row, how many goals would he score in the Premier League during that time? Obviously, it's impossible to say. It's not going to happen. But they'd yeah. also find themselves find themselves in this weird kind of Spurs Harry Kane situation that Ollie Watkins plays every single minute available, yeah. pretty much. Obviously, he didn't start tonight, but in the league and in the in the big games, Ollie Watkins is definitely starting up front essentially on his own. Obviously, Bailey plays off him or, or um, Diaby plays off him. But as an out-and-out striker, he's the main man. So yeah. who do you sign that, that knows they're not going to play? They're not going to displace Ollie Watkins out of the team. Likewise, yeah. Spurs were never going to sign somebody to displace Harry Kane out of their team. He was always going to play. You'd think John Duran is kind of like the perfect player, someone who is raw and unrefined and young and happy to, to be the backup but he seems unhappy to be the backup, which is mm. fine. That's what some players are going to be like. If he feels like he has to go out and play to improve, absolutely. I can, I'll kind of applaud him for that. Yeah, fair enough. And the flip side of that is, do you get an experienced striker who is happy to come to the back end of their career and sit on the bench a little bit? It's a very difficult situation Villa find themselves in, and I'm not quite sure what the answer is, really. Mm, yeah, it is. It's a diff- it is a challenging situation. And as I say, like with Ollie Watkins, it's like, hey, he just... He's so perfect for how we play. Mm. It's just like you're just not going to start ahead of him. And as I say, you know, maybe Durant does need like six Premier League games in a row and maybe he starts finding goals. Maybe he starts to reach his peak and maybe that's what he feels as well. And if that's the decision he's made, then all right, fair enough. You know, you, you can't argue with that. But, you know, and I wish him luck if that's what he wants to do. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I just feel like Villa's a good opportunity and one that, you know, I think it's, it's a good role for him at the moment to just be that backup to Watkins and learn from, you know, great coaches we have at Villa and, um, you know, it's somewhere that he could reach his full potential eventually. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Duran and we'll obviously see what happens with him in the coming weeks. I yeah. mean, with all kind of pre-match noise of Instagram stuff and AC, I, know, yeah. I was like, he's starting the game now. Like, he's not like <laughs> edging closer to a move or whatever kind of cliche you want to throw at it. He's not on the verge of uh, completing a move to Milan because he's here now playing in Middlesbrough. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. If he goes out, he goes out. But um, I would expect it. 
Obviously, I don't know, but I would expect that to be a loan rather than a permanent sale. But who knows? Football changes very quickly. Mm. Um, we're going to wrap up there tonight, Frankie. We've done 30-odd minutes. So thank you for everyone joining us live this evening. If you're watching this on Catch Up, uh, get involved in the comment section on YouTube and have your say on the things we've chatted through this evening. Uh, you can also leave us iTunes reviews on Apple Podcasts and a five-star rating on Spotify if you'd be so kind. Uh, Frankie, I've done this in the last couple of episodes as a bit of a, a, a challenge almost, I suppose, for okay. want of a better word, to let the guests do the outro and say goodbye for us. So um, I'll give it over to you to say thank you for watching and uh, a good night. Thank you for watching the Claret and Blue podcast. Dan Rowlinson is a super presenter. Thanks for having me on. I'm Frankie <laughs> from All Villa, No Villa. Thank you so much. Uh, up the mighty Villa. <laughs>